Boy, thank you so much. You've been able to worship this morning, right? Huh? Come on. I appreciate so much these uh, guys and girls and uh, what all they bring to the table to help you, to help me come through the throne of grace. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. Thank you, Scott. It's good to be back with you this morning. Um, saw something yesterday that I'd never seen before. No, no, actually, it was this morning. Yesterday, I saw bits and pieces, but today I saw something that I'd never seen before. On my way here to worship, coming up to an intersection, and there were there was an ambulance, there was a fire trucks and police cars, that kind of a thing. No cars in the intersection, so I'm not really sure what happened. But as I'm driving slowly to get around it this morning, I'm noticing that in the middle of the road is a telephone pole with wires. It had been knocked off at its base. It's in the middle of the road. The wires are still attached and got never seen that before. But somebody's day got messed up, didn't it? Went up to above Akron uh, yesterday to visit with my mom in Stowe and uh, came back the interstate and got off the, uh, the exit ramp. And right there, there was another accident. Didn't look too bad. A couple of cars headed the wrong direction, you know, fire trucks and, and policemen and Got about another half mile up the road, and there was three cars pulled off with their flashers on, another accident, you know, and kind of a, ran into the back. Somebody's day just got really messed up. How many of you have been in an accident lately? A couple of you. Okay. A guy confessed this morning that he'd gotten a speeding ticket last week. Anybody want to confess to that this morning? I didn't think so. Things happen in our lives that are unexpected. And that's what the series is about. Last week, you took a look at the unexpected opportunity. And so Mary was the, the focus of the attention at that point. Today is the unexpected bomb that drops into your life, that unexpected, oh, no, kind of a thing, all right? And so we're going to take a look at Joseph. And for his life, what does he do with that time of, oh, man, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to be reading from Matthew and uh, chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you want to open there. If not, it'll be on the screen there for you. We're going to begin with verse 18, chapter 1, and reading from the New Living Translation. It begins, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. And so he decided to break the engagement quietly. I need to pause here. Some of you may be aware and others may not. Engagement 2,000 years ago was totally different from engagement today. All right? You're engaged today, you get upset, throw the ring back, and it's done, Okay? Uh, things like that happen, and, and there's no real big fanfare. There's a lot of hurt that goes with it, that kind of thing. But engagement back then was totally different. 2,000 years ago, in the land of Israel, with the Jewish people, to be engaged meant something big, that if you were going to go a different direction now and become unengaged, it took a court proceeding to go through. You went to court, magistrates then declared it now, no longer, and you went on with life. If, in fact, you're engaged, and engaged for that period of a year usually, 
And that would do two things. It would allow that groom-to-be to be able to get his house ready. And that way, a year later, it's all ready for his new wife to come in, and we're good to go. That would allow for that. It would also be kind of that buffer between her life prior to and her life married. And it would tell whether or not she's pregnant. If she is pregnant, he could do one of two things. He could divorce her quietly, which took a proceeding through court. Or, according to Old Testament law, he could have her stoned to death, and the first one to throw the stone had to be her father. So for Joseph, we're talking about a real bomb that's been dropped in his life. What does he do with this? And so I just wanted to make sure you understand when it says that he was the fiancé, when it says that they were engaged, you understand it's a whole lot more than what we would understand today. Verse 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual intimacy with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. What's he going to do? Bomb drops into your life. What do you do? How do you respond? A lot of times we don't react very wisely to begin with. There's the hurt. There's the things that go on. And then we make a choice, hopefully after a little time has passed, and we choose to do the right thing. Joseph has this choice to make. I want you to see a, on a social media kind of what it might have looked like today. All right? Joseph, Mary. God appears 
Was that pretty cool? I like it. Um, Scott sent that to me to use for today, and, and when I first saw it, I mean, I've got tears going down my cheeks. It just, I don't know why. It just kind of wells me up on the inside to put it in a, in a modern-day kind of a, a situation. For Joseph, he's hit with this thing. What's he thinking? What's he going to do? It says that Joseph was a good man. Another translation says Joseph was a righteous man. He was a godly man. God chose Mary because she was a godly woman. But he also chose Joseph because he was a godly man. So the choice that he's going to make, what's he going to do? Well, at first he thinks, I will just put her away privately. We will do this and, and let her go her way. I will go my way. I'm hurt. Can't, can't deal with this. And then God appears. And then after God shows him that this is him, Joseph then makes the choice and says, I don't care what anybody else thinks anymore. If this is God, I'm going to do it. And those are the kind of choices that through life we are called upon to make. The bomb drops into your life. It might be an, an accident, a small bomb. It might be a little larger than that. It might be something like your daughter is pregnant. It might be that your son, you just found out, is on drugs. It might be that on and on and on, life goes. I'm attending a funeral this afternoon. What an awful time, right? Just different things. And how is it then that we act, react to situations like that? And I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to the first time that I think the bomb was really dropped into my life. I was 15 years of age, 15 years old. And I will remember this so vividly because it changed my life. I was a point guard for basketball in junior varsity basketball. Hadn't played school basketball before, tried out that year, made the team, was a point guard. Last practice before the last game, came down on the side of a guy's foot, ripped the ligaments out of my ankle. So I'm in a cast for six weeks. I know this is coming. And as I sat in the locker room, I said, God, if this is what it takes, I'm done. I'm finished. No more sports. And what you don't know would be the backdrop to all that. I have five brothers. Two of them played D1 ball. The other five went all the way through varsity and, and played a lot of ball. I had just finished up my freshman year. I was on the baseball team. We only lost one game that year. Division one, so we were a good-sized school. While I was playing school baseball, I also ran school track and set the record for the half mile at that time. That summer, I had my appendix out, couldn't play football, so I ran cross-country as a sophomore, got most valuable runner. Then I tried out for the basketball team. The thing that nobody knew about, I was very competitive, but more than that, I had an anger issue. I was really getting serious with God. At 15, you can do that, guys. I was really getting serious with God, and I was trying to figure out, what does he want me to do? How can I do this right? I was getting answers to the questions that I had, and I knew that I was going to follow God. Now, what am I going to do with this anger issue? Because if I'm a point guard and you stole the ball off of me, guess what's going to happen? I will either get that ball back, or I will foul you, one or the other, okay? Because you just embarrassed me in front of the whole, right? That's me. And I knew that one day I would lose it, and I would discredit my Lord. 
And so in that locker room that day, I said, I'm done. I didn't play junior year, senior year, no more. That was the bomb that dropped into my life at that point in time. And I had to deal with it. I had to figure out whether I was really serious about God and I was going to sacrifice in order to bring him glory or whether I was just going to do my own thing and figure it out on my own and all that other stuff. And a lot of people try to do that. It's never the same. But God continued to drop things into my life to challenge me in different parts of my personality, different parts of the walk of life that I was making. And he would constantly be doing that. And, he, and I'm sure he does for you, too. Something all of a sudden comes in and goes, well, wait a minute. I need to rethink what I'm doing, why I'm doing. And that's what we're after today. Mary was a little bit different. That was that opportunity. Oh, my goodness. What do I do with this? Today is when this thing drops in totally unexpected, how are you going to respond? Jesus, as he was walking through life, the word amazed is only used two times in his life. Two times. Jesus was amazed. Wouldn't you love to know what he was amazed about? As he's walking through life, all of a sudden he's amazed because as he is sharing life, someone doesn't share faith. The second time, someone does share faith. The first one is when he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. You remember the story that little Jesus has come. He's grown up. I mean, he's 30 now. But little Jesus has come back. He's become a preacher. And so as he's preaching, everybody's going, wow, that's Jesus. That ain't going to job. Boy, he can preach, can he? And then all of a sudden, he takes that sermon and he turns it on him. He says, this is where it hits you. This is what you need to think about. They didn't care for that. In fact, they take him to the brow of the hill, and they're ready to cast him over kill him and the Bible says that he walked right through them for his time had not yet come oh he's gonna die but not at their hands and then the Bible says he was amazed at their lack of faith their lack of faith and it goes on to say that he did some miracles but not very many just laid his hands on a few people and some sick people got well that's it that's all he could do in his own hometown. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. The second time that it talks about Jesus being amazed is someone that's not even a Jew. It's a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier who's over charge of another 100 soldiers. The man has heard about Jesus, and what he does is he sends some elders of the Jewish synagogue to go talk with Jesus. Would you go talk with Jesus and bring him back? Because I believe from what I'm hearing, he could heal my servant. His servant was next to death. So it wasn't about the man himself. It was about his servant and his household. The elders at the synagogue go to talk with Jesus. and say, hey, there's this guy. He loves our nation. He's even built our synagogue. He has a servant that is sick, and he would love for you to come and, and heal him. Jesus says, I will go. So they're on their way to this guy's house. And then when they're not far from the house, the Bible says, he sends a second delegation. He sends a couple more people to him with a different kind of a message. And they stop Jesus before he gets to the house, and they say, our master said, you don't need to come. 
Just say the word, and he believes that his servant will be healed. For he is a man with authority, and he has servants, and he says, go, and they go, and he says, come, and they come, and he says, do this or do that, and they do it. So he knows about authority, and he said, if you have this kind of authority, you do not have to come to my house. In fact, I am not even worthy to have you to come under my roof. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus has said that he was amazed at his faith. Jesus says, I haven't found this great a faith in all of Israel. Now, what would you think? You're one of the disciples with Jesus. You've left home. You're following him. You're doing what he's called you to do. But he's saying, this guy has more faith than anybody I've ever met. He's not even a Jew. Doesn't matter. See, I, I think that when we have that bomb drop in our life, that unexpected thing that just says, hey, what are you going to do? First, ask the question, why? Why do you think God allowed this to take place? I'll tell you why. There's some hard things that come in, but they have all passed through Jesus. They've all passed through the Father's screening before it ever gets to you. And he has allowed it to take place. So the fair question to ask is, why? Why would you let this happen? And the first place you need to go is to your own heart. Okay, God, this has come in. What are you trying to teach me? Is there anything here I need to hear, I need to listen to? Anything at all for me? We need to ask that first. And sometimes it is. And sometimes you need to make a sacrifice and say, no more. God is coming first in my life. I'm putting this aside. It's not happening anymore. I'm committing this to my Lord. And you need to be done with it. And the first time you ever do that, I, I promise you, when you do that, and it is so obvious like it was in my life, the next time is not as hard. Because I've seen him work through the first one. And I've seen it come around. The second time's easier. But not always is it about you. When you ask why, look for yourself first. Is there something I need to learn from this? But sometimes it is not about you. Sometimes it's about someone who's watching you, who needs your witness in their life. Okay, he says he's a Christian. What's he going to do? All right, she says he will take care. He's with you always. What's she going to do? Sometimes it's not about you. It's about someone who's watching you so that they can see faith in action. So ask the why. See if it's about you. If not, then it must be for someone else. Because the fact of the matter is, is that someone will gain something out of this. There will be some good that comes from it. When we walk by faith, trusting God for what's coming into our life, something good is going to happen. Something good. Romans 8, 28. Does anybody know what that says? Yeah. It says something like this. For everything that comes into our lives is for the good. All right? All things that come into my life is for the good if I love God and I'm willing to fit into his plans. 
Now, if I've got my own plan and I don't care what God's doing, then that's a different matter. You won't find good necessarily. But if it's God doing it and you love him and you're fitting into his plans, then good will come from it. There are bombs that happen in your life, my life, as we go through, and will be until the day we die. Ask why. For me, for somebody else, then walk in faith and watch him work. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, even though it's difficult. I thank you for those hard things that come into our lives. I've got to walk through them. Got to walk in faith because that will build my own faith, but it'll also build the faith of somebody else who just might be watching, wondering if it's really worth it. Joseph did the right things. He was a righteous man. He was a man of God. Help us that people would see us as men and women of God, willing to put you first, willing to walk through the hard stuff as well. We pray in Jesus' name.